For a wedding shower, my, my niece and nephew are both getting married uh, this, this fall, actually. My sister's so stressed because she has two weddings within a month of each other. So tell your kids not to do that if, if they get married. Um, but, uh, but anyway, it's been, it was a lot of fun yesterday. Um, my, my brother-in-law, Greg, he's a pastor in Phoenix. And, um, and it's really cool that my sister married him. We were just thinking talking yesterday with my sister because um, um, Greg's dad was my pastor. Uh, my, so my sister married our pastor's, our pastor's son. And, uh, and Paul Salyer greatly influenced my life. He was such, he was so persuasive. I, I grew up in Oklahoma City on the south side of Oklahoma City in kind of a rough neighborhood. And, and, and all my life, I watched all kinds of people come to Christ. There was, a, there was a guy named Jerry Spence who was the bouncer at the Cat Baloo 2 on 29th Street in Oklahoma City, which is not a, uh, not a nice place. <laughs> and, um, and Paul uh, went to Jerry Spence, had this ponytail that just was huge. It went down to his rear, actually. And, uh, and, and when Jerry came to Christ, we were like, oh my goodness. I mean, he's like the toughest guy in the whole neighborhood. And, um, and, and to see him get saved was just amazing. And, and I'm grateful that I got to rub shoulders with Paul Salyer because he shaped me. He influenced me. And I watched him with so many people be persuasive. As, as a Christian. And you know, as I, as I think back of my history and my journey and, and my family and, and these things that shape my life, uh, it, it, it's no wonder that God has, has pushed me and inspired me to, to do my best to be persuasive about Jesus. Do you know that all of us as Christians, we're called to be persuasive we're, we're called to, to influence people around us to, to see our Savior. And, and this morning, we're in, we're in the book of Acts, and, and, and in Acts 14, if you have your Bibles, turn there. And, 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 and this is such a cool story. It's such an inspiring story, and I love the book of Acts because it's so inspiring. As you see these men that have, uh, that have walked with the Lord, and it's so important for us to rub shoulders with these stories and rub shoulders with these men that, that took God seriously because we're supposed to take God seriously. And, and I think so many times for church, many people come to church and, and they're just, they're just kind of going through the motions. It's a cultural thing. And, and what I love about what's happening in our culture and in our world as we're, we're seeing such a shift in our culture that, that I think in our future, it's going to be more and more difficult to be just a marginal Christian because it's beginning to cost us to be followers of Christ in the United States. And, and I think that's going to be a great thing for all of us. Now, 
you know, it, what, a, what a great week it's been in the life of our church. You know, you know, this Wednesday, we had 26 people join our church this week. Isn't that awesome? We do our dinner with the pastor. Yeah, give a hand. That's, that's awesome. Um, if you're visiting our church, I want you to know, look for in the, in the bulletin for dinner with the pastor because we, we do this every six weeks or so where people can join our church. And, and, uh, and, and you know, it, it's been really cool to, to see this. And I want to, you know, as we've been talking to folks about what our church is about, we, we, we tell them, you know, look, we're, we believe that God has planted us in this community to love people to Christ and to equip them on their journey with God and one another. That's what we say. That we're to love people to Jesus, and 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 we're going to do that intentionally and tangibly, like the mission, and and like uh, camps and Wednesday nights, and 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 all of our groups that are going on, and and this is just part of our DNA. We're we're called to love people to Christ, to equip them on their journey with God. We want people in this community to know God better, and and come to know who Jesus is, and what He has said, and what He is like. We're also called to equip one another in our own relationships. We're to help one another. We're to love one another. You know, um, we, we say to all of our new members, one of the things you can count on at our church is, is we're going to worship God with focus and with passion. We're, we're going to worship God. People are going to know who we worship. We, we say that, that we're going to do our best to connect God's word to our daily lives. That we're going to, in every environment, we're going to take God's word and we're going to practically put it in, 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 into our lives and, and live by it. And we're going to connect his word to the, how we live. We say that, that we're going to do our best to live in genuine biblical community, me, meaning that, that we're going to build relationships. We can't, it's, our, it's our desire and hope that you don't just come to this room, but, but you get in life together because we're not supposed to be Lone Ranger Christians. This isn't just a show we come to and then go home. No, we're in life together. We're on a mission together. And this is why uh, we put so much emphasis on our groups. And if you don't have a group, I pray that you would connect with one as soon as possible. And there's all kinds of groups that are in our church. We also say that we are engaged with others as ambassadors for Christ. That it's our job to engage with one another. And I believe that, that one day we're going to be in heaven. And, and I think that we're going to recognize the work and, and the time that we lived. And, and I believe we're going to be also together in heaven, you and I. And I think we're going to give an account for the way we serve the Lord. And, and I'll tell you, I pray that we are a group of people that live with the end in mind. That there's going to be a day we walk through that door called death. And when we stand before the Lord and we go home, because you know that when this life is over, that's when we get to go home, right? That's home. And, and this, is, this world's not our home. And, and while we're on this planet, we are to be engaged with one another, representing Jesus to a world. Now, Acts 14, would you stand with me? And this is such a cool story. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 today. And, um, and then I, we can't go further than that because this is just too cool. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. Now, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. 
But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Maybe see now what a cool story. Oh my goodness. Look at this. Now, now when you think of the book of Acts, first of all, before we jump into the story, the book of Acts is is written by Luke. And and basically it's really cool because, you know, just like there's a like a hard drive on your computer has a limited amount of space, right? Um, Luke, what he did, he was a doctor, he was well educated. Uh, he took two scrolls. And, and Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and filled up the whole scroll. Now, the scroll was a certain length. And, and Luke filled up the whole scroll sharing the Gospel with his buddy, um, uh, Theophilus. And, and then he did the same thing with Acts. He's like, okay, Theophilus, I want you to know Acts. So he took another scroll and filled up the whole scroll. And, and I love it that, that that's, that's what Luke did because he's like, I'm using every bit of this bad boy to tell my buddy about Jesus. And, but the end result of that is the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are like two, it's like volume one and volume two, okay, kind of. And, and it's very important to recognize that because Luke is like, hey, I'm going to fill it up telling, telling my buddy about Jesus, and I love the ambassador, Luke. He was such an ambassador. And, and the book of Acts is so important because it not only makes up a fourth of the New Testament. Luke and Acts make up a fourth of the New Testament. But, but it provides this, um, this, this account of the life change that took place in the lives of the disciples. And this is what Acts does for us because we see the story in the Gospels of the disciples coming to Jesus and, and their lives being changed, but then Acts just articulates these stories of, of life change for them. It, it also fills in the gap between the Gospels and the pastoral letters because, you know, like Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, uh, Galatians, the book of Galatians. Galatians. This, the book of Galatians was actually actually written to this region of people where Paul is right here in Acts 14. And so the book of Acts provides this gap. It fills in the gap. But, but you know, one of the biggest things about, about the book of Acts that's very important for us, the book of Acts shows that the gospel now has gone to the Gentiles. Now, this is big for us because, because it's in the book of Acts that we see the gospel being spread to the entire world. You see, the Jews initially kept it to themselves. But, but in Peter, they were, they were kept going to the Jews. They kept going to the Jews. But, but then Paul comes along and is going, no, no. And Peter, this happened, started with Peter in Acts 10. And, and these Gentiles started going, look, I can come to Jesus. And this is, this is important because a lot of people believed that if you were going to follow Jesus, you had to become a Jew. 
in, in, in the gospel of Acts, or the book of Acts shows that you don't have to convert to Judaism to come to Jesus. You can just come to Jesus. God was doing a new thing. That's really cool. Now, the, Acts 14 is describing Paul's first missionary journey. And we're going to dive into all three over the next several months. But, but we're in this first missionary journey. And, and this makes sense because when, when we come to Jesus, and this is very important, hear this. When you come to Jesus, you can't sit still. Did you hear that? When we come to Jesus, we can't sit still. And you know, the, one of the travesties that I see in, in church is that churches sit still. And, and I'm telling you, that's not us. We're not going to be a church that sits still. And, um, and I love that. But, but look, at, look at verse, uh, verse 1. Uh, in chapter 14, now, now at Iconium. Now where this is, if you look on your map, you can Google Turkey, uh, the country of Turkey. And, um, and this is in this city called Kanya, which is like today it's Kanya. Iconium is Kanya. So, so the gospel is now left Jerusalem and is spread all the way to Turkey now. And now at Iconium, they entered into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now, you see Paul's pattern. He's going to often go into the synagogue because he knew people there, and that was where he had influence. And, and, and you know what I love about God? He calls us to places that we have influence. And, I, and God is so smart. I mean, think about this. He has planted us in Owasso, Oklahoma, and in Tulsa. And you know what God does every, every week, every, every Monday? God deploys us all over this place. That's what I love what Mike Henry's doing. My, there's a, if you went to the breakout session at, at Advance last Sunday night, uh, do you know that, that our whole, the, the, he's inviting a bunch of people from our church to go on a mission trip in a couple weeks, and it doesn't cost you anything. It's called going to work on Monday. And, 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 and so I hope that you check that out. Look up Follower of One. It's in our worship guide and all that stuff. But, but, but you know, what I love about what, what Paul does is he goes to where he has influence. And where, when I look at around this church, I mean, you know, some of you are engineers, you're, you're teachers, you're, you have all these different abilities, and God has deployed us all over the place. And, and you know, that's where you have influence. And this is why every one of us should see our workforce not as, not as I work for Williams or whatever or Phillips. No, Lord, I work for you, and you just have me deployed at Williams or Phillips or Barnes Elementary or you name it, Christian Brothers in Owasa, you name it. And, and the reality is, Paul goes to the Jewish synagogue, and look what he said. Look what it says in verse 1. He spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. I mean, golly, I want to do this. Don't you want to be that way? Don't you want to speak in such a way that people go, hey, I think I believe you. Have you ever met somebody that you're like, I may not believe what they believe, but I think they believe it. I think they believe it. You know, that was something that happened. We had at Council Road, when I was there, we built this building called The Cube. And, and, uh, and there was an atheist guy that would come and work out all, all the time. And one of my favorite things that he said, he goes, well, I don't believe what you believe, but I think you guys believe it. And I think, I thought, what a great compliment. 
I mean, think about the people that don't believe in Jesus that you know. Now, I'm going to mess this up, but do they believe that you believe it? Does that make sense? That may not. It does in my mind. <laughs> and um, I pray that that's who we are. A great number believed. He spoke in this way that, that, that people believed him. And, and now, now, think about this. You know, the way you speak matters. The way you, the way you talk about Jesus matters. Now, now, how do you speak in a way that's persuasive? Now, point number one is this. Ambassadors for Christ work at being persuasive. And, you know, without apology, I pray that we are a group of people that, that say, look, we want to, we're, we're supposed to be persuasive. We're supposed to persuade people to believe in Jesus. And this is true for, for believers, I think, everywhere. And you may say, well, Chris, I don't like to speak in front of people. That's okay. You may not be one that gets up and, and, and speaks in front of a crowd like what I do. You know, I remember Jody Johnson. I, I preached her mom's funeral not too long ago. She grew up in my ministry, sweet little redheaded girl at, at Council Road, and she was super shy. And she came to my office one day, and she's like, Chris, um, I just can't talk to people. That was kind of how she sounded. Um, and, and, and she's like, I'm so shy. I said, Jody, look, yeah, you don't have to get up and talk in front of people, but do you know what you can do? You can talk to one. You know what she would do every week? She would wait at the back, and she would look for somebody that walked in and didn't know what to do. It was kind of awkward, and, and look for someone that was, like, nervous. And she'd go, hi, I'm Jody. How you doing? And I watched God use this girl in unbelievable ways at our church. And she never got up in front of people and talked. So don't, don't say, don't sit here and go, well, I can't talk in front of people. No, all of us are called to be persuasive. I love this. And, and so how do we speak persuasively? Well, I think there are a couple of ways you can do this. One, loving. You can, we can be speak lovingly, right? And, and, and you know, 1 Peter 3.15, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Sometimes Christians are mean. You shouldn't be mean. Speak in a loving way. And this is just, now, now I want you to know about loving. I mean, I, and I get this all the time. People go, well, you know, uh, Chris, you're not loving sometimes because there are times that you've said something is wrong. Well, well let me tell you something. Loving is not soft. Loving is not lying. Loving is, is, is respectful. Loving is authentic, right? Loving is direct, Sometimes loving is confrontational, right? I mean, all you have to do is be a parent, right? <laughs> and you love your kids, and sometimes you're like, ah, you're not doing that. That's not right. And so, but, but, but we, should, we should recognize that, that to, to be persuasive, we ought to be loving. What comes out of you when you're talking to people at work? What is it that, that is coming out of you? Um, you know, if we're going to be persuasive, we've got to be loving. We've got to be clear, too. I love what Brandon did today. Oh, my goodness, that was incredible. When he said today, hey, you know what the gospel is, and he shared the gospel. We've got to be clear with what the gospel is. This is why at the mission, when we're helping people with food and, and stuff like that, we're also going to say, hey, we want you to know about Jesus. You know, because, love, because to be loving is clear. You know, um, 
I'll tell you what, one of the reasons I'm persuasive is I believe that hell is real. I do. I, I believe that people that die without Jesus won't go to heaven. And so, folks, look, we've got to be clear about the gospel. And, 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 and another thing is conviction. If, if we're going to be persuasive, we've got to be loving. We've got to be clear. We've got to be persuasive. We've got to have conviction, right? Do you have conviction? I mean, think about this. What, I mean, are you convicted about your life? I remember as a, as a tennis player growing up, one of my weaknesses, which is also a strength, I guess. You know how that works out. Sometimes your weaknesses are your greatest strengths. Um, um, I'm, I'm really competitive, I mean, to a fault. And uh, my dad, you know, my dad, when I, when I was 15, I surrendered to ministry, and I, I, God spoke to me, and I was playing tennis, and, and, uh, and my dad was my coach, and I said to my dad, hey, you know what, Dad, I, I want to I put a cross on my racket because, you know, you could do the stencil thing, and that was popular for a little while, that you'd put a, messages on your racket. And my dad said, I don't think that's a good idea for you. I was like, what do you mean, Dad? I want to be a witness. He goes, yeah, but you're not, you don't act very good on the court. And, uh, and you yell. John McEnroe was popular back then. If you remember John McEnroe, I mean, he was the influence, you know. So all the little kids, all the kids were acting like John McEnroe going, what do you mean? We'd scream and holler. And, and my dad said, yeah, you shouldn't do that. And I went home and I thought, that's pretty mean to him. Here I am wanting to be a witness. And dad's like, yeah, no, that's not a good idea. But, but I went home and I thought, you know, how am I acting? You know, what, that was a moment I really felt conviction for the way I live and the way I act. And it was foundational for me. Do you know what I want us to see? That every follower of Christ is called to significantly impact the lives of others. You know that every one of us, no matter what your gifts are, no matter who you are, you know the Bible says, and Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you're the, you're the salt of the earth. Think about this. You're, you're the salt of the earth, but if our salt has lost its taste, how will its saltiness be restored, the Bible says. It's interesting because it says um, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then Jesus said, right after that, you're, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city set up on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a basket. Instead, no, they, they, what do we do with our light? We, we put it up so everybody can see. And see, I pray that we recognize that all of us are called to be ambassadors. We're called to be persuasive. Paul goes into the synagogue, and he spoke persuasively. Many people believed. And, and, and you know, this is why I pray that we understand we're to engage people where we work, where we live, where we play. That, that we're to engage people. And, and sometimes we're apologetic. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, goodness gracious. I want to care more about people going to hell than worrying about offending them. And, and we, can not, we can talk to people in a way that, that's not offensive. I talk to people that don't know Christ all the time. 
And we can come across in a way that's not a jerk, not be a jerk. And, and, and I pray that we learn to engage people where we work, engage people where we live, engage people where we, pray, where we play. Um, now, here's what we have to do. We've got to make sure that, that my life, I've got to make sure my life is consistent with the message, right? I mean, this is something I, I feel often, and I love this quote by, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I want you to see it. It says, flight into the invisible into secret discipleship is a denial of the call. A community of believers which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. And you know, maybe some of you are in that secret discipleship. Do you know that that's impossible? We're not called to be secret disciples. And, and this is why I love what Paul did. Look, at, look, at, uh, look back at verse 2. And, and as Paul preaches, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. Now, now, now think about this. They're, all these people are believing and, and they're persuasive. And, and all of a sudden, this group of Jews are following them. And they don't like them. And we see this. We're going to see this over and over again, how they come against them. And, and this is just the reality. This is why we've got to be careful that as the mission is up and running, as, as we're sharing the gospel, we better get ready for an attack. We better get ready for challenges because that's when Satan comes in and attacks, sends opposition. And, and, and if, you're, if you're never facing opposition, then you may be going in the same direction that the opposition's going. But if you're facing opposition, you're likely going in the opposite direction, which is what we should do, right? And, and look at this. There, this opposition comes up, and, 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 and they poison their minds against the brothers. Have you ever had somebody poison, uh, your, someone poison someone's mind about you? Have you ever had that happen? I mean, think about that. Their minds were poisoned. They were saying, yeah, yeah these, these guys, they, they were putting bad thoughts, bad, bad things in their mind. They were, they were coming against them. And point number two is this, and I want you to see this. Ambassadors for Christ, they, they, they have to act bravely. And if you're an ambassador for Christ, you're going to have to act bravely. Look at this. Their minds were being poisoned. And so when, if somebody's poisoned their, uh, someone's mind about me, what do I normally want to do? I want to run away, right? But look what they did. Uh, so they remained for a long time. Isn't that awesome? Hey, they, these guys are coming against me. Their mind's poisoned against me. So I think I'll stay here and keep talking to them. That would be awesome. They remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. Now, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, now, let's notice several things about these guys. Number one, I want you to see their response to false teaching. They're, they're, like false teaching is something that we're going to face. We're going we're gonna to have false teachers around us. And, and there's, there's a lot of false ideas. The, the Mormon population is growing rapidly in our city. And you know that's a false teaching. And that's the reality. They don't believe what we believe. They say they do, but, they, but when you really get into what a Mormon believes, it's not true. It's not right. It's not biblical. And I, I, we won't go into all that but today. But, but they're, they're, uh, when they faced false teaching, what, what did they do? They, they looked at that opposition. They faced it. They also 
kept speaking boldly. And I love that about them. Look at their, notice about the disciples, their internal passion to persevere. I love what they did here. Look at, look at what the scripture says. It says, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. Look at this. Who bore witness to the word of his grace. They bore witness to the word. That they lived a life. They, they, we, when we bear witness to the word, we give the account that, hey, we live by this. We follow God's word. Um, they put God's word into practice. And, and this is, the, the, God's word should be evident in our lives, right? It should be evident by the way we live. And, and I love what they did here. They had this internal passion to persevere. And I love this word. Look at the Holy Spirit grit. I love that word, grit. I mean, they had Holy Spirit grit. Um, I know that maybe grammatically doesn't fit well, but it sure does speak to me. I want to I be a, a believer that, that's gritty. Now, that means that it's not dirty. I'm talking about we're, we're tough. And, and we've got to be tough as believers. I think there are too many believers that are soft. And, and what I, you know, you think about the church. We used to sing these songs called Onward Christian Soldiers Marching On to War. And we got a little soft. Over the, over the years, right? And, and, and I think we need to be a little gritty. We need to be a little tougher. Sometimes we face some opposition. We go, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Hey, look, we're going to be offensive. The gospel is offensive. And I'm not, trying, I'm not saying we should be jerks about it. We should, we should be angry. I'm not saying that. Some people, some Christians I see, they try to be offensive. And that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we should be a little tougher. And I love, the, the, look at what they did. Um, it says that, they, that God granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I mean, I mean, think about what a sign is. A sign is a, a, a sign points to something important, doesn't it? I mean, when, I, when I, we were driving home last night, it was dark, and, and, and I, I was coming up the turnpike, and, and guess what? I saw this sign that said, slow down. And then I saw this sign that said, okay, it's going to turn because there's these big concrete barriers that they're fixing the turnpike. And I'll tell you what, if I did not notice that sign, I would have been in trouble. Signs point to something important. What were the disciples doing? They were showing signs. They were doing things. And the world, these people were looking at them going, look, I want you to see God. Because what's interesting is when they preach, people believed in Jesus. And this is what I pray that happens in our ministry, in our church, that when people see, when we point the world to the signs of, of God at work, that they believe in Jesus through us. When we hand out food and at the mission, when we serve like we do, um, you know, they, 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 they had wonders. There, there were wonders. Well, what is wonder? Yeah, it's these things that caused people to pause and go, wait, God's real. Wait. You know, you know. Don't you think that for our lives, we should live in such a way that people look at us and look at what we do and go, why do they do that? That's making a difference. This is why one of the questions I ask our staff and I ask of our church, if we suddenly vanished from this community, would anybody notice and would they care? And I pray that we are a church, that, that we are so injecting ourselves, so, serving the Lord so passionately that the world would notice if we, if we left.
you know, they were tough. Look at verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra, Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. Isn't that interesting? Here they, these guys, these apostles, they were right in the middle of God's will. They were serving the Lord with passion and obedience. They were, they were in step with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? People came against them to stone them, to kill them. And this flies in the face of this, this uh, health, wealth, and prosperity idea that, that you're going to live your best life now. No, we've got to realize that when we walk with Jesus, there will be opposition that will be at times, fatal. Could be fatal. But here's point number three, and this is an interesting idea. You know, that ambassadors for Christ not only have to act bravely, they not only have to be persuasive, but you know that ambassadors Christ, for Christ know when to walk away. What's interesting about the disciples, there were times that they, like, they went back and they, they went and they stayed for a while. But they know when to say. They they knew when to say. Okay, it's time to walk away. You know, um, my nephew Josh is about to go serve on the IMB. He and his wife Millie. My brothers in Edmond at a church, a missions pastor, and Josh and Millie are, are about to go serve as missionaries. Years ago, before Josh got married, um, God moved him to spoke to him. He, one of his buddies was an IMB missionary, International Mission Board. That's what we support through our cooperative program dollars as Southern Baptists. And, and, and Josh was going to work, spend a month with one of our IMB missionaries in Afghanistan. Do you know that we have missionaries that we send and support in Afghanistan? And Josh was going. My brother we were all meeting at the airport to send Josh off, and Mike called me and said, hey, man, uh, I'm not, I can't pray for him right now. I can't get through it because I'm worried about my son. Would you pray? Would you lead that prayer when we're at the airport? I said, okay, I will. Because he's watching his oldest son get in an airplane and fly by himself to Afghanistan, knowing that for the first three weeks he would not even be able to communicate in any way. So I'll tell you what, that's a step. Of, I watched my brother take a step of faith that was pretty big. And I, I mean, my nephew was taking the step of faith. He was the one going. But he said, I'd rather be in, in the middle of God's will in Afghanistan than in the belly of a fish in Edmond. And so, reference to Jonah. So we're sitting there, and, and before we prayed, Mike said to Josh, he said this, this is really funny. You could write. You ought to write it down. I'm going to put it up on the screen. He said, "Josh, there are stupid missionaries, and there are old missionaries. Be an old missionary." Okay, Josh. And basically, what he meant by that, Josh, when you go to Afghanistan, don't walk into Kabul in the marketplace when you're buying your outfit and stand up and say, "I want to tell you all about Jesus." Be smart. If the Lord tells you to do that, okay, do it, but, but be wise in the way you act. And see, right here, you see Paul 
saying, guys, it's time to leave. I want you to know, if you have to leave somebody, if you have to say, okay, it's time to wash my hands of this. It's, you know what? Uh, maybe it's a, a friend that you're like, we just fight, so I'm just going to leave you in the hands of the Lord. There are times that you should walk away. There are times to walk away. And um, there's wisdom in knowing when to move on. Now, my point is that we ought to be willing to die for Christ. But God moves us to also stay alive to preach another day. Like, for instance, this week, Tuesday, I got to go to Yukon High School. And they've invited me the last two years to Yukon High School to speak to every freshman. Because if you know my story of the ambassador baseball team, the boy that died is from Yukon. And at the school, there are two places in the school they have tributes to Justin. And so they've asked me to come and speak about a Yukon Miller who uh, made a difference. And so I essentially get to go and talk about Justin, but it's a public school. And um, so I, I share the gospel, but I do it in a creative way by saying, hey, I want you to know about Justin. Do you know, let me tell you what he believed, because I can't talk about Justin without talking about his faith in Jesus. And so I have to talk about it because that's how he lived. Can I ask you a question? Those of you that know Jesus as your Savior, if somebody had to talk about you, would they have to talk about Jesus? Folks, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be persuasive. Life's too short, and the days we are living are too critical for Jesus to be marginally important to us. For us, to, we, we, we must be passionate, obedient, surrendered, sold-out followers of Christ. That's why we work on our marriages. That's why we, we uh, get on our knees and say, Lord, I, I need your help today. That's why we hold one another accountable. That's why we, we, we put pornography and, and these things away from us, and we, we seek help with a brother if we're struggling with that area. We're called to be persuasive ambassadors. You may be here today, and you don't know Christ as your Savior. And I, I, can I just stand right here in front of you? If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I, I promise you, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. Because there's going to come a moment where all of us will take our final breath. And when that day comes, if you don't know Jesus, you're in trouble. And you may say, I'll do that someday. Oh, let me tell you something. That's today. Please come to Jesus today. If I could do anything to persuade you, I wish I could just take my heart out and just put it in you for a second. 
and let you experience what it's like to be forgiven and the hope that Christ brings. Would you stand where you are? I don't know how God has spoken to you today. But would you come to him? Would you surrender to him? Whatever you're holding on to, it's not worth it. If you're a Christian and and you're like, man, I'm not persuasive, would you come and just repent and say, Lord, would you help me? And guess what? God will help you. You know, God did that for me as a tennis player. I did make a shift from being one that represented Christ from one that didn't. And you could do that too.